Get ready to be inspired by a true powerhouse in the field of productivity intelligence. Our guest today, Gerald J. Leonard, is a leading figure who has revolutionized the way we approach maximizing our potential. And Gerald's insights have been featured on platforms such as NPR and Jack Canfield's show, among others. I'm so excited for this conversation, so you're definitely going to want to stick around. The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to Rat Race Reboot. I'm your host, Laura Noel. And as a certified coach and former 27-year military leader, each week I provide bite-sized mindset pivots that will help you reset your mind, reawaken your spirit, and regain your control. Hello, hello, and welcome, everybody. I am really thrilled about this conversation. And I was telling uh, Gerald, we were talking before in the green room, um, we're both musicians, and I love this, and I want to talk more about that. Um, But welcome to the show, Gerald. Thank you so much. I'm really, really happy to be here. (laughs) Well, we're thrilled to have you. you know, what I love to do is find out about all these amazing things that you're doing, a little bit about your journey, because there's so many people out there who are listening, who are looking to find their purpose, and how do I serve, and how can I be of greater service? So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and how you came to be serving in the way that you do. Excellent, excellent. Well, as you can see from behind me, I'm a musician. I have a couple of an upright bass, electric upright, two electric basses, pianos, and and a studio here in my office. So this is my work office and my music my music studio. Um, I love to do what I do. Um, I've over time began to integrate the the concepts of music, which I studied through my bachelor's and master's. Um, did one year at Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music. Uh, performed in New York. And uh, and I love integrating music with neuroscience and uh, productivity topics and workplace engagement culture. And here's how I got there. Um, after my after music and getting my degree, I actually went into the ministry for about six or seven years because I was working part time in music and performing and started leading a discussion group. And it grew into a, the group of about 250 people. And it actually outgrew me. And so that was one of the first lessons I learned in life was if you're going to build something, you got to make sure you're growing faster than the organization that you're leading. Mm. Um, And so I decided to go back into music, but now married with two kids, I got into project management or in IT. And honestly, what I realized was I was really good at organizing chaos and it was just natural for me. And so I gravitated towards project management. I already had my master's, so I didn't want to go back and get another degree. So I just did all the certifications I could in IT and project management and so on. Joined some a number of consulting firms. And in 2014, I started my own pro- consulting practice. And, um, and things really took off from there. In 2018, I had a major bout with vertigo. It wiped out what's called the vestibular system. And I still have a what's called a vestibular disability or constraint. I call it a constraint. I don't call it a disability because I've studied the theory of constraints. And when you have a constraint, you can elevate and take advantage of a constraint to be more productive or to get more done. And so since that happened, I've written two additional books 
One that's coming out that's going to be published by John Wiley. I've started two companies. I've had an investment in my company. Um, I have probably become more productive as well as less stressed out. Um, I do yoga in the mornings. I do breathing exercises. I've, I've uh, onboarded a number of coaches that have uh, PhDs in neuroscience and so on. And they've really helped me to uh, up-level my skill, up-level my life, uh, and up-level my energy. And it's really now uh, uh, this holistic view of who I am, which is the integration of those four areas, the music, productivity, the neuroscience, and um, really workplace engagement or workplace culture, which I help my clients with. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And I love your journey. And I, I love how you followed your curiosity and your thirst for knowledge and um, being of greater service and not allowing a constraint to be a deficit to actually propel you forward. Um, and I want to talk more about all of those things. I, you know, we were kind of talking about the music piece and a little bit of the productivity piece. I would love to know, how do you infuse this all together? Well, you do it with a lot of coaching <laughs> <laughs> and getting a lot of advice. Honestly, I was at a workshop probably back in 2013, 14 with Willie and D Jolly. Willie's one of the top five speakers in the world when it comes to um, the National Speakers Association and speaking for major corporations. But he's also a jazz singer. And his, and his wife is an educator. She has a master's in education. So I went to a weekend workshop at their home and they looked at me and were like, okay, you have this skill of music and this, this thing that you do on projects and programs and you really help companies change their culture, And but you're a bass player. And it was also at the time with that song, All About That Bass, yeah. was really popular. <laughs> yeah. Right? Remember that song? Yes. <laughs> and so um, they looked at me and said, you should you you have to uh, integrate your music with because culture is like the base. And I thought, hmm. So my first book became Culture is the Base. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and I basically leveraged my experience as a musician playing classical and jazz and the and how bass playing and music really sets the tone because if you listen to different types of bass lines as soon as you hear your favorite song you know the culture of that song, whether it's country and Western, whether it's R&B, whether it's funk, whether it's gospel, you know it because of the, the, the pronunciation of the drums and the bass. And then I went and wrote a book called Workplace Jazz, which was all about agile teams because a lot of work was now being done in small agile work teams. And the greatest example I can think of as an agile team is a jazz ensemble, about three or four or five people playing jazz, and they have a structure, there's principles behind it, and it, it really reminded me of, of the Agile workplace. And then I wrote my book, A Symphony of Choices, all about making um, effective decisions around project management and so on, but also having a mentor, because yeah. the gentleman, the main character in the story, reached out to a mentor to kind of help him through the process of career changes and um, around decision-making, <coughs> excuse me for my tickle, and um, around decision-making, project management, and then workplace engagement. So it's really a uh, all, all the things that I've written and the companies that I've started are an essence of who I am as a person. Mm. I, I love, you know, 
I love the idea of doing work that you love that doesn't feel like work. I was sharing with somebody how um, I study neuroscience and the brain and psychology, and I'm doing that in school, but that's what I talk about with my friends. And that's, you know, I called one of my friends I hadn't talked to in a while, and I was like, oh, I was in neuroscience lab. And he's like, nerd, I love it. I'm a nerd too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can take who you are and bring your yes. whole self into your work. Yes. And here's how I got into neuroscience. Uh, my son, my oldest, my, my, my firstborn, um, once he got into school, we realized that he had ADD, right? And I wanted to understand what his world was like. So instead of just kind of being a strong-arm parent, I decided to go to the bookstore and find books on parenting ADD children. And I found it talked a lot about neuroscience. So I started looking at the books that they were referencing. And I just started reading tons of books on neuroscience and the way the brain works and why the brain works in certain ways, and especially with uh, kids who have ADD. <clears throat> and when I eventually did my TEDx talk, my TEDx was about music, but it was called What If Practice is the Performance? The Neuroscience of Music. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know that that vertigo situation that happened to me happened six weeks before my TEDx talk. Oh. So I'm laying in bed. After, I, I, literally, I was, I was taken to the hospital. The doctors had to give me a shot to stop the vertigo of the room from spinning. I was in the hospital for a day and a half. When I left the hospital, I left it with a red walker. So imagine me walking with this red walker to the car, and I could not walk on my own. I was an hour and a half away from my house, so I had to go through this horrible drive to get back to my house and be taken to my home. I'm laying in bed. I'm a, I'm, I have my own consulting practice, so I'm, 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 you know, if I don't work, I don't get paid that week. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm thinking, how can I deliver my TEDx talk? And I remember all the things that I referenced in the talk around neuroscience, and it says for musicians that when you are playing music, the brain gets activated to the point where it starts rewiring itself if there's damage. So as soon as I could sit up, I started playing my bass. And every day I would play my bass a little bit and try to walk a little bit, a hole into the walls. Pretty soon, within three weeks, I walked into my doctor's office unassisted. Very gated, but unassisted. And three weeks after that, I walked on stage and delivered my TEDx talk. And my doctor told me, he says... If you hadn't been a musician and take the, 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 set the goal that you had set and had worked the way you worked at it, it would have taken you two years to get back on your feet. Uh, but because of being proactive, setting a yeah. goal, and then just working through it. And there was a couple of lessons I learned because in that process, you know, when, you, <clears throat> excuse me, again, when you go through that, when you go through something like that, sometimes relationships that you depend on don't always work out. And that happened. And so I made a decision that I was going to get better and not bitter. And also I made a decision that I was going to grow through this challenge and not just go through it. Because a lot of times when life hits us, it hits us really hard. And we're feeling like we got sucker punched. And you're like, what in the world? How did this happen to me? Where did it come from? No one could, um, none of my doctors could point to why or where this came from. And we still don't know. But I had to make a decision that irregardless of that, am I going to get better or bitter? Am I going to get better or bitter at life, with relationships, with friendships or whatever that happened? 
And am I just going to go through this process of trying to get back on my feet? Or am I going to grow through this process? And then one of my coaches, a gentleman named Dr. Paul Shilley, he uses this phrase in a lot of his training that I've and coaching for me, which is transformational change happens because of transformational knowledge Mm -hmm. and transformational learning. So I went into a real, um, I I just went after learning, uh, finding the right coaches, reading the right books learning how to use my whole brain, understanding the brain, learning about brain gyms, all these different things. And it radically transformed my knowledge about the brain and about myself and about productivity. And then I saw the transformation on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that you shared that story. And I, I, you saw me writing all these nuggets that you were, (laughs) you were saying, you know, I could go through it or grow through it. Am I going to get better or be bitter through it? Um, There's so much there to unpack. And a lot of people, they'll look at a circumstance, whether it's in our health or a work-related circumstance. And and I was like this before. We look at it and like, this is the way it is. It, It is this way. And so we kind of move on or we were bitter about it, but there's so much power locked up in our brain and our ability to rewire and and yeah. create new connections that truly anything's possible. Um, but you keyed in here on something, and I, I love to share with clients, even when I'm doing a two-hour workshop, I have a yeah. set of goals a mini goal before we even get started about, you know, maybe what they're struggling with, what their point A is, what we're going to be talking about. And, and I have them create a, what, what is your point B? Where do you want to go with this? Because right. without that goal, you're just, we're wandering. We have no direction. Exactly. Exactly. I, I usually tell people, I said, you can either be driftwood or you can be an ocean liner, right? Yeah. Because, you know, on the ocean, if you're just driftwood, wherever the waves go, that's where you're going to go. Yeah. Right. But if you're an ocean liner, waves are coming at you, but you have a set destination. You have a course and you're just kind of plodding along and you're not a speedboat, right? You're not yeah. sprinting. You're, it's a marathon, and, but you're just trugging along, and, but you're going afterward. <clears throat> and regardless of how the waves are pushing the boat, you're constantly steering on course. Just like airplanes, they're constantly, you know, most airplanes are off course 99% of the time. The, the, the automated um, pilot is just constantly doing course corrections, and that's life. Yeah. Most of the times we're going to be off course, but if we're reviewing our goals on a regular basis, we're doing affirmations, we're doing things to release stress, we're meditating, we're, we're practicing mindfulness, then that's us uh, course correcting on a regular basis. And then asking, asking ourselves and asking, you know, God, the universe, asking our coaches, okay, what's the next thing? How do I get there? And just every day you're doing one thing, even if it's a small thing. Some days I may have a, a couple of podcast interviews. Some days I may be writing an article. Some days I may get one thing done. Yeah. Because I don't, because of, I'm still dealing with the constraint of the vestibular challenge and it wipes me out. But by having a goal 
and knowing what the steps are that I'm trying to go after. And even if I get one thing done, I know that I made progress for that day. And I can go take a nap or relax the rest of the day knowing that I've made progress. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, when you were talking about your experience and then this idea of course correcting and continuing down that path and having that that star you're shooting for, um, the transformation, what I heard in your story, happened inside first. And we might not see yes. it if we're not stopping to acknowledge and and embrace, you know, both the light and the darkness within us and what's going on and the thoughts. And so that transformation happens inside before we see a physical manifestation. Um, right. So I love this idea of we need to be on that path. We're continually course correcting through our redirecting our brain toward our goal, uh, focusing, meditating, doing those things right. that are in alignment with where we want to go. Yeah, I think of goal setting and reaching, going after your 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 life's purpose. It's like it's like a bamboo tree. And if you've ever gotten bamboo in a yard, and uh, you know at first you don't see it, and then when it starts growing, you can't get it out of your yard because <laughs> for the first five years it does nothing but grow about eighty feet down in the ground, and then once it's really planted, then it starts shooting up. But you can't stop it because now it's taken it's it's radically um, transformed the way it's it's rooted in the ground. And I think that's how transformation works. It starts with us really working on ourselves first. And it's so important because um, I learned how much um, stress uh, impacts us, how much um, uh, worry impacts us, because all those things release uh, neurotoxin, uh, neurotransmitters like, you know, cortisol, adrenaline, and, and things that just, you know, our amygdala takes over and we worry about things and we make bad decisions. Whereas if we're uh, addressing that stress, we're doing yoga, we're, we're meditating, we're doing mindfulness, our brains are constantly producing oxytocin, serotonin, GABA, all these positive neurochemicals, and it opens us up to possibilities. You know, with a goal, you activate your reticular activating system, yeah. which says, hey, that's what I want. So let's start attracting everything around me that's going to help me with, reach my goal. It's kind of like buying a blue car, you know, whether it's a Lexus or a Toyota or whatever. And then you drive off the lot and you go, there's so many other blue cars right. <laughs> <laughs> that are out there. You didn't see it before because it wasn't important to you. Right. But once you make it important to you and you make it a goal, that really helps you. And one of the things that helped me a lot was I went to a workshop with a friend of mine. His name was uh, Mike Rayburn. He's a Carnegie Hall um, guitar speaker uh, kind of person, um, really phenomenal in what he does, uh, Hall of Fame speaker. And he shared this thing with me that Brian Tracy told him about. And it was to write out his goals as affirmations on a daily basis. So I left the, the conference and I was literally on the way back home. I stopped in a bookstore at the at the airport and picked up a little, you know, mole uh, writing book. And I identified my top, let's say, three or four goals at the time. And I just wrote them out as affirmations. You know, I'm so happy and grateful, blah, 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 blah. And then every morning I got up and before I started my day, I would just sit down and write out my goals and then put it away. And pretty soon, 
things started happening like crazy. And then I did some work with Jack Kenfield and he talked about doing it three times a day and uh, like write it out once a day and then uh, review it in the middle of the day and review it at night. And things started happening even faster. Like I said, when I went through the vestibular thing, you know, things happen. And so, um, you know, went through a divorce and I gave my, my ex-wife the, the home and whatnot. And within two and a half years or probably two years, I was able to buy a new home. Wow. And, you know, again, it was writing out a goal, setting a destination of where I wanted to go, deciding to get better and not bitter, not hold against anyone, be more, be, to be generous and, and, and just go work on myself. And by doing that, it just opened up the, you know, the, the world just opened up and said, okay, you want a home in that neighborhood? You got it. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, you need this much to, to get into it? Here you go. Oh, you need new furniture? Here you go. It was amazing. That is amazing. And that's, you know, redirecting your focus in, in the direction where you want to go versus looking backwards. That's, yes. I tell people that's like the path of least resistance. And I love that, you know, that writing, I'm so happy and grateful living from the goal. Uh, Bob Proctor yes. taught me that. And um, so I'm really thankful that our audience is hearing this from you as well, because there's so much power and, and your goal priming in the brain. That's how the reticular yes. activating system is filtering out. It's like, it's a match. It's not a match. It's a match. It's not a match. So when you're doing that exercise, you're priming your brain to activate your goal unconsciously. There's whole yes. theories on that unconscious thought theory. And um, it's so powerful and, and it doesn't require extra work. That's the thing. It does not. It, 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 in fact, in fact, what I realized was that um, achieving my goals now has become so much easier because it's it's me ad identifying what is it that I want in my life mm -hmm. and how do I want to live my life um, and then following a proven process. And there is a proven method, you know, whether you, one of the main things is you have to really get clear. Um, it's funny when, when um, I, I got remarried mm -hmm. and my wife and I were looking at buying this new home and um, I said, let's go shopping for furniture. She's like, what? Shopping for furniture? We don't have a house yet. I was like, well, let's just go shop. And we're just going to make a list and take pictures of all the furniture that we want in the house. And we did. We went to all the stores that we wanted to go to. We went to really nice furniture stores. We found things that we wanted. We took pictures of them. We created this vision board of what we wanted. Um, and that's the furniture we have in our house. That's beautiful. And do you know, there's so many people who won't allow themselves to dream in that way until, until they believe they can have that, that dream or they already know how. But what yeah. I hear you saying is you don't even have to know how. Just decide you, you on what. You, you don't. You don't have to know how. Be, and, but here's, here's, the, here's the secret. Um, it starts with clarity. Yeah. And then it starts with, um, with focus, right? And it starts, it starts with acknowledging it. And it starts with intuition, but intuition comes into our life. And that's that still small voice that says, hey, try this. Hey, did you think about that? Call this person. But the only way we can hear that voice is that we reduce the stress in our life. So once, once I went through all of the things that I went through with the vertigo, I started, you know, one, I would like take walks every day, 
uh, very carefully as I got back on my feet, but I started doing yoga in the mornings, which is just stretching. But I started doing yoga in a way that would release stress in the body, right? Yeah. Based on all the chakras and all the energy, the meridians. I studied all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I would release stress. And then I would have times of doing breath work and meditation. And in the middle of those meditations, I would hear, you know, you should call so-and-so. Oh, you, you know, try this. Oh, did you give that a cry? And so I would finish my meditation and I would write it down. And I would follow through on what it was suggesting, what the suggestions I was receiving. And those were the exact th things that I needed to take part of. But here's the other thing that I think stops a lot of people, and it stopped me for a long time. It is negative self-talk, mm -hmm. right? Negative self-talk. And so working with a gentleman named Dr. Shealy, I learned about something that he has called paraliminals, which is basically audio recordings that helps you. It's not subliminal, but it's just positive messages and um, getting your brain to, 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 to oscillate at an alpha wave state that helps you to ingest those thoughts and rewire your, your self-talk, yeah. right? To rewire your self-talk. And also then when you have a limiting belief, to question the limiting belief. If you if you are having a limiting belief around money and you heard all your life, money doesn't grow on trees, money. And so in the back of your mind, that little tape is running and you go, I don't have enough money. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Wait a minute. Is that true? Yeah. Money does grow on trees. Oranges. That's money. Apples, bananas. <laughs> money grows on trees. Literally. <laughs> and so what I started doing was challenging the little thoughts that came up and go, where did I hear that from? Who said that to me? Was it something that I made up? And what I found is that a lot of my limiting beliefs were things that I made up or that I thought I heard or yeah. that I thought someone suggested. But it was really just me making them up. And once I challenged them, embraced them, and then processed them, they went away, which freed me to start really believing in the future that, I was, um, that I'm living and then things really begin to happen. That uh, there's so much goodness in there, um, you know. And I love that. Often people will judge <clears throat> those limiting beliefs, but I think embrace them, challenge them, question them, decide yeah. what would I rather believe. So we're doing really deep thinking here, and that's putting us. That's like when we're reprogramming our mind, we're yeah. being programmed anyway by if we're not exactly. conscious, right? So we're being deliberate about what we're planting in our mind. And through time-spaced repetition, we start to adopt these new beliefs over time. I, right. It's I kind of like that. when some, someone said, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's like, well, what's the difference between someone who's really out there living the life they want is that they think they can live that life. So they can. And the person that, that's not living that life, they really don't think they can live that life. So they're living the life that they don't think they can live. And they're, they're, they're kind of, they get stuck in their, in, their, in their own ways. And so it is about changing how we think and changing those patterns because, you know, everything in the world is energy. It's funny how scientists now have even identified that solid, solid material at its core is energy. Right. It's, 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 it's really just energy. And so if everything vibrates around energy, our spoken words are energy. Our thoughts are energy. And what we 
the, the level of energy that we vibrate at is what we are attracting into our life. So if you want to know how you're doing, look around your, your space. Look at the car you drive. Look at, look at how your life is going. And that's how you think. If you want to change those things, then you got to up-level your thinking through knowledge transformation and then embracing those negative thoughts, challenging them, and meditating and all those other things. And you will begin to see your outer world change because you're, of your inner world being uh, changing. Yeah, and That was one of the biggest lessons I learned, yeah. uh, again, uh, with that. Yeah, that's so powerful because that's the piece that it, it almost seems too simple to yes. adopt, right? So we overlook it. We tend to. I know I did for a number of years. Um, but I love that it brought to mind is like we attract, we don't attract what we want. We attract who we are by virtue exactly. of our thinking. Um, exactly. So how do people get started? You know, and, and I love also the tie-in to uh, of productivity because you mentioned, I know I'm, I'm backtracking here, but you mentioned how ideas come to you when you're in that relaxed state and you're taking inspired action because you're getting something bubbling up to your consciousness and you're acting and that's like the thing you need to do. That compresses time. That's like really massive productivity or a capability right there. Yeah. Yes. And so it, it really starts with, you know, identifying your purpose and identifying your goals. And I think one of the best exercises I've ever done, and I think I, it's, um, I first read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey yeah. back in 92. So I'm, I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and so one of the exercises in the book said, and I think I was on a plane when I did this exercise, um, was to think about your 80th birthday. And I might have been in my, I don't know, um, 30s or at that time <laughs> or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm in my 30s at that time. And um, it's a think about your 80th birthday. What do you want the, the, the most important people in your life to say about you? You know, what do you want your spouse? What do you want your kids? What do you want your employees or, or whatever it's a different situation, siblings, parents, if they're still alive? What would you want them to say? And you kind of write it out. And what he basically says is you're tapping into what's really important to you when you think about it that way. And from there, you map out, well, if those things are important to me, I can identify what my life's purpose is, you know, at least the beginning of it. And it'll, it'll constantly evolve and become more real to you as you kind of like a GPS, just keep moving. It'll, it'll, the satellite will, will come in. And so I did that. And as I'm living my life, with that, with those, that focus, all of these things started coming into my life that I wanted. And then again, there were the challenges, but by keeping my focus and setting goals and pursuing that, it really began to take shape. And then having goals and realizing that we get to create the life we want. We may not think we, we can, but we actually have the ability to create the life we want if we learn the right processes. And I talk a lot about that in my book. I talk a lot about that in my, on my website, productivityintelligenceinstitute.com. And I have a number of freebies where like, you know, weekly goal setting. Um, and then as a companion guide, that's about project management. How do you, you know, cause really every goal has multiple steps. So it's a project. Yeah. And so I wrote a, I wrote a, a, a free workbook called every goal is a project and everyone is a project manager. And it really teaches you 
and it's from my 25 years of doing, you know, executive level project management for major corporations and federal agencies. And there's six things that you always have to make sure you have in a project for it to be successful. And I, I really dispel those six things out that you can use on any goal or project. And it's also a companion to my new book, but you can just use the worksheet by itself and still get the value from it. I, I love that. And that's really generous of you. And so um, the website uh, we will have in the show notes. So yes, anyone listening, I highly, highly encourage you to connect and download those resources, learn more. And um, I, I know you'll be in good hands. I certainly will be there. I'm definitely going to check out your site and everything. Um, Excellent. Is there anything else that we missed? Anything else that you'd like to share with our audience today? Well, I would say this. One of the biggest things I learned was <laughs> the power of, of leveraging your non-conscious mind. Most of us think about our conscious mind or our subconscious mind, but many of us don't think of the non-conscious mind. And the non-conscious mind basically powers everything in our life. It records everything. And so if you put your feet together and look down and draw a circle around your feet, that's your conscious mind. If you put a dot in the middle and go out 11 miles and then go around you, that's the size of your non-conscious mind. It's like 10 billion to one in power. And there are processes that I've learned from Dr. Shealy, Dr. Bobby Stevens, who are neuroscientists that teach, that have taught me how to leverage the power of my non-conscious mind through things like what I, what we call photo reading things like uh, memory optimization. So there's all these, these, these techniques that I've learned through, again, transformational knowledge. And by learning them and learning how to leverage my non-conscious mind and then use my conscious mind to bring up the things that I've inputted mm -hmm. into my non-conscious, it has radically changed my life. I literally read a book a day based on these principles. Oh. And it's and, and when I say reading a book a day, it's like yeah. I'm reading it and I'm getting something away, like I'm it's transforming me. I'm getting something from it, and it's making a difference in my life. And so it's really it's very very powerful stuff. Uh, oh my gosh, I feel like we need to come back and, and have another <laughs> conversation just about this. And I do want to do that uh, because okay. this is definitely my jam. It's my doctoral research project. It's um, experiences I've had being meditative, going to a meditative retreat, and then coming back and knowing exactly what to leverage to move forward. It, it's, I got, yeah. I got one better. Ooh, I went yeah. to, I, I, I learned something about network spinal analysis. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard of that. Okay. Network spinal analysis is like chiropractors who, who practice it. They become experts in the spine. Mm -hmm. And based on the condition of your spine, is the condition of how you see the world. Oh. If you ever have like a neck issue and it's like, and like C3 through C5 is all twisted up and it's like a pain in the neck, there's probably something in your life or someone in your life that's a pain in the neck and your <laughs> neck is, is demonstrating that. Wow. And so you literally start seeing the world based on the condition of your spine. So by doing yoga and other exercises that align your spine and remove that stress, you open yourself up to see the world in a much brighter place. Otherwise, you get stuck on a radio station. Yeah. Ugh. It's amazing. And that's yeah. a whole nother area that's just amazing. Your body has so much wisdom if we listen, yes. right? Oh, my goodness. Well, 
I am so grateful for this conversation and our connection. And I definitely want to have another conversation with you in the very near future. I'd love to. Yeah. And so thank you so much for pouring into our audience. Um, again, I'm looking forward to connecting with you in the future. And for those of you listening, definitely go to ratracereboot.com and look at the show notes and connect with Gerald. He's got some very generous offers and, um, and learn more about yourself. And yeah, but thank you again. Exactly. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody, remember, this is you're on a journey, and everything is created twice. First in your imagination, and then in physical form. It always happens that way. So stay well, and we'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.